of Faith with Nael Pondwana, 7 to 8 p.m. Good evening and welcome. You're listening to Facts of Faith with me, Nayelu Pondona, here on SFM, leading the conversation. This is, I must say, upfront, a pre recorded interview, which means you will not be able to send your text messages or make any calls to the studio, which will be interacting with our guests. However, we will be giving you as much information as we can within the 50 minutes remaining of this conversation. Don't forget, Facts of Faith is a program that is about giving you as much fact as possible about your faith. And that is what we are aiming to do. That's why we do the things we do, especially the practice of journalism that we employ, which is analytic journalism. Now, getting to the subject of today, we're trying to understand the issue of religion and women. How is it that we have a particular form of expression, which is lobola, which is an exclusive preserve of men? Or is that the case? We have been told that religion is not so much about ilobolo, dowry as some people would call it, or uh, the bride price, regardless of what culture or phrase you'd like to use. We're trying to understand why is it that generally we see it done by men for women, paying the men, paying for the woman. Now, understandably, there had been some prescripts that came along with cultural practices, but would like to know from the perspective of faith as to does religion allow for a woman to pay lobola for a man? Is it possible that this bride price can be the groom price? Seeing that in this month of women, we are gunning for gender equality and women empowerment. Can we safely say we can empower women to be the ones who are going to play lo, pay lobola for the man? And that's our question for today. I am Nayelu Pondona. This is Facts. The views and ideas expressed in this program are views expressly of the people sharing them and not of the anchor or that of this broadcaster. All persons, juristic or natural, are to be held responsible for their own representations offered on this program by their agents and not this corporation. Any and all consumption of our conversational substance is entirely at your own discretion. Please be advised that this program airs subject matter that has the potential to destabilize and challenge your intellectual equilibrium. If you are excitable, profound caution when consuming our subject matter is advised. Participation in this program is a voluntary enterprise and as such is expected to be considered and deliberated on. Kindly note that, just as the anchor is, all participants, guests and callers are encouraged to engage in this our freedom of expression and any of our civil liberties responsibly. Let me introduce you to our guests for tonight. And our guests are from two faiths. We had invited Ugogo Pepsile Masego, who is the national coordinator for the Traditional Healers Organization. She was supposed to be with us, but she was unable in the last minute. And that's why we only have two instead of three guests on the line. So, we're going to begin with the Muslim faith. We do have Mulana Yusuf Bosman, who is a Muslim theologian in King Williamstown. Mulana, good evening to you, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Uh, good evening to Naya. Good evening to the listeners as well, and thanks for inviting me to the program. Also, we do have on the line Bishop Joshua Maponga, a cultural activist, a writer, a fighter of spiritual colonialism, and an author of Women in the Kitchen. Bishop, good evening to you, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. 
Thank you very much and greeting to all the listeners out there. All right, uh, let, let's get down to it, gentlemen. First and foremost, we're going to begin with you, Mulana. Um, from the Muslim faith, who exactly has the responsibility or has been instructed to pay the price for the other? Is it the man only, exclusively, or can the woman do it as well? Bismillah uh, rahman uh, rahim I begin in the name of the Almighty, the most gracious, most merciful. Uh, as far as the Islamic faith is concerned regarding this matter, in Islam we find that it is a man's duty to pay lobola towards a woman, not the other way around. But if a man happens to be uh, somebody that is not well off to do, uh, he can be assisted by his wife after the marriage, because according to the Islamic faith, uh, marriages are uh, pre-organized by families. So in a sense that, um, uh, like how we are in this uh, day and time whereby you find people, they first date, get to know each other, and then they marry. But in the Islamic context, we're still trying to stick to the tradition, to stick to the way whereby when uh, the, the two of people that are getting themselves involved in this uh, union, they do not have a dating of any form, nor do they have an understanding of each other prior to them being husband and wife. So as such, that is why it is Islam, uh, basically, it uh, emphasizes upon a man to be the one that pays the dowry. All right. So uh, when you say the woman can pay and help or help the man after the wedding, does it mean that the wedding can go on without any dowry or uh, lobola paid? Uh, in Islam, there is no fixed dowry. For example, to say that, uh, like I would say, like I need 10 cows for my daughter, because the decision of that which is being paid as a dowry is the decision of that the one that is being married, that is the lady. The lady is the one who so decides that what should the husband give there as a gift of herself having to give herself to him uh, in marriage. So I recall during the time of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, there was a companion of his who hardly had anything, and yet he insisted that he wanted to marry. And I recall Prophet Muhammad advising that, look, what is it that you have? Some of them said, I don't have anything. Some of them even gave dowry in a form of dates. You know, the date fruit. Mm. And some, and, and, and another companion in one instance, he even took out his shoes, that is his sandal, and gave it as a dowry. That is why they, I'm saying in Islam there is no stipulation as to what the dowry is. But at the same time, the dowry is meant for the girl, but not for the girl's family. So effectively, from Islam, we don't have this idea of empowering women of giving them the very same status and capacity as would be the case when you want to give the woman the right for example to pay for the man uh, in Islam to be honest uh, it works like uh, I will put it very clear that some Muslims may be critical of me it's like the law of the jungle that the lion head takes the responsibility of the lioness it's never a lioness taking the responsibility of the lion head. All right. I want to bring in the bishop into the conversation. Bishop, from the Christian perspective, um, how does it work? Can a woman pay lobola for the man from your scriptures? 
the scriptures are quite interesting when it comes to that. Because the first couple we find, there's no marriage involved, and there's no lobola involved. That is Adam and Eve. And the whole process continues until you come to Sarah, where it's also quiet. But when Abraham wants his son to get married, then he sends Eliezer to go and look for a wife for his son, and he gave him some goods and, uh, uh, you know, gratitude gifts for, for the family. So we begin to see that being the first instance where then, but again, within that space, you would, you would very much understand it's within the cultural practices of the Eastern religion. When you get to Jacob, then the tables turn upside down. Because Jacob goes to that land, works for Laban, he has no dime on himself. He wants a wife. What does he do? He now has to work for seven years and to get his wife, which he had to work for 14 years to get both women. And with that concept on its own within the great African space, we also find it being practiced. And I must glad to agree that what we do is the same with what Muslim and Islam would also do. That if a man does not have enough to pay for, for that bride or price, then his muscle, his hands, he comes to the house and the family of the bride. Where in our culture in Shona, we give him a bush, a fresh bush. He must cut down the bush. We give him a few cattle, he must plow, and he must harvest. And while he's doing that, we can double check that he's got muscle, he can work before we can give our daughter to him as a wife. So you tiptoe through the Bible and actually find that the, it's the man who is paying the dowry. The woman pays the dowry, but the man still has to pay for it because he has to contribute that through labor. Explain how the woman pays the dowry, Bishop. She does not pay directly, but it's only she exposes her resources to the man so that the man can actually meet up the demands of the family. All right. Can you give us a scriptural example of that? That's what I'm saying. The Jacob story I'm telling you. That Jacob went to look for a wife. He did not have nothing on him. He had to work for seven years to get Rachel. And he worked for seven years to get Leah also. Though the gift was switched around, but he had to work for, for, for the women. So in that labor on his own included him. And when you are working in, in that context, you also amass wealth for yourself. And then some of it you use it to pay for the wife and the rest of it you can take it for yourself. If I understand the story of Jacob and his two wives and later his two concubines, uh, there was no time when uh, these two wives or the concubines paid anything to the family of Jacob or to Jacob himself. The example you're making is an example of Jacob arriving at Laban's uh, compound and working and, and giving uh, some of, of, of the ship as, as agreed uh, he takes some for himself and some he gives back to Laban, which was his form of payment and so forth. How is it that you're saying that these two women gave something uh, in any form to Jacob or okay. his family? Your debate, is, your debate is very interesting. I wish the women could be here to see this whole thing about women's rights, how this would turn out. Because I think when it comes to finances, people don't want to share the right story. But I'm saying the woman does not necessarily pay. She exposes her resources. The family agrees to allow Mkwenyana to come indoors and labor. Whereas when he has means, he just brings the means in, takes the woman and go. Okay. But in the event that he does not have the means, then we, the woman 
there should be a discussion of some sort that the family can allow the men to come and labor and work. As it were, his salary and his proceeds and profits then translate to become the dowry for her okay. as, a bride, as, as, as a bride. So from the two scriptures, the Quran and the Bible, is it ever possible to find any scripture that would elevate the woman to the status of being the one to pay something to the man i'm thinking here um of of the example of the queen of sheba which by the way exists in both faiths how she came and uh, gave herself to king solomon and brought some gifts would that not perhaps qualify as a form of dowry given by the woman to the man in this case the queen of sheba to king solomon i'm going to begin with you um amonana well, you know, before I indulge into that, some instances coming into mind uh, regarding the first marriage of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Uh, when Prophet Muhammad was uh, born, then he started working for the lady named Khadija. Mm. And uh, Khadija, who was 40 years of age, and she was a businesswoman, and having known Prophet Muhammad at the time, he was 25 years old. And um, she, as a businesswoman, so he worked for her. But because of his honesty... And then she offered herself, herself to marry, to be married by him. And uh, I take it from that example that because Prophet Muhammad had no finances on his own, but because he worked for Khadija and earned his money from her, and then after that he used the very same money to pay dowry on her, because even though he didn't have anything and she had it all, but she couldn't pay her own dowry because. What you need to understand when it comes to the issue of women's rights, women's rights are not necessarily that women have to do for themselves, but women's rights have to imply in a sense that whereby a woman is being secured for being a woman. Because the reason why she is being secured, if we were to go back to the creation of women, she was made from a weak rib of the left-hand side of a man, a crooked rib. So as a result of that, this very same man that she was made for was meant to be her protector at all times. So even when we're trying to give her what we say in, the, in, in, in modern time as women's rights, her rights should be such that the husband become responsible for her fully. And that is what her rights goes and, uh, and uh, that, that, that's how far the, her rights go and that's how men should be looking at her in terms of providing the rights for the woman. But not to say that when we say women's rights means that now she has to do for herself. She has always been made to be protected, to be looked after. So that is part of exercising her rights towards this creation, which is men, that was made for her. All right. Back to the story of the Queen of Sheba. The story of Sheba. Yes, my When... Prophet Solomon, was, uh, 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 when um, the Queen of Sheba, which is we know, me, uh, we know her as Bilkis in the Quran, when she was bringing the gift to Solomon, because we have to understand, Solomon was a king. So it is within the royal culture or tradition that people of that nature exchange gifts, but we wouldn't look at it as being dowry, because we are not told as to what was the response of Solomon in terms of gift towards her. You see, so it was a royal approach, which may not necessarily have anything to do with religion itself. 
All right, all right. Uh, I want to bring in uh, the bishop. Bishop, from your perspective, the Queen of Sheba, was it not dowry that she was offering to King Solomon? The traditions of the ancient times say you cannot come and see the king empty-handed. So you bring in some gift of some sort, and the king will also give you back some gift. So depending on your material uh, uh, strength, then you would bring whatever you bring. So the Queen of Sheba coming to Solomon, she's coming to flaunt what she has in her own kingdom. As it were to look for 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 a relationship, an inter an inter you know kingdom relationship. But lo and behold, the wisdom of Solomon won her over, and then she translated that visit into her own marriage. But technically, yes, we, we can say she paid dowry. Not that Solomon could not afford dowry for her, but uh, uh, who would say no when a queen says, let me be your wife? <laughs> okay. All right. We're going to take a break, gentlemen. Come back. Um, hopefully, we're going to bring in Ugog uh, Pepisile again uh, to hear from the African faith perspective. Stand by. The Minister of Science and Technology, Mamuloko Kubayungubani, published the notices of intention to declare certain mining activities to be prohibited and to make regulations on the protection measures to be applied within the declared Sutherland Astronomy Advantage Area. The notices were published in the Government Gazette number 41793 under notices 745 and 746 on 25 July 2018. The notices invited interested and affected parties to submit written representations on or objections to the draft regulations attached to the published notices. The workshop to assist interested and affected parties to make informed written representations will be held on 28 August 2018 at Sutherland Snew Flocky Hall. For inquiries, contact Mr. Mere Khampe, email address mere.khampe at dst.gov.za. Or 012-843-6644. That's 012-843-6644. During the first two years of my marriage, I was stressed, began to drink a lot. My wife then told me to visit Men's Clinic International, as this was all taking a toll on our marriage. I did! I am proud to stand here and tell you all that Men's Clinic International restored my marriage and dignity as a man. So... Visit Men's Clinic International today. SMS help to 32110 or send a please call me to 072-315-2574. Keys and C's apply. SMSs cost one red. Are you struggling with your metric revision and have no idea where to begin? Why don't you tune in to Lena Support, Ligusa Salako on Likwalakwala FM, your one-stop radio revision resource where we tackle various subject matters, themes, and learning areas. We do physical sciences, life sciences, mathematics, accounting, economics, and many other subjects which are in the spotlight. Every Tuesday and Wednesday from half past five to six in the evening. Ligusasa Lako, exclusively on Likwalakwala FM. Brought to you by SABC Education, enriching minds, enriching lives. Facts of Faith on SAFM. Joining us now is Ugogu Pepisi Lemaseko, who is representing the, she is the national coordinator for the Traditional Healers Organization. Good evening to you, Gogo, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Uh, good evening to you and the listeners. Thank you very much for having me. Well, uh, you're joining the conversation while we have already spoken to Bishop Maponga and um, um, Mulana 
Bossman talking about the issue of dowry. I'd like to get your perspective from the African perspective. Who has the responsibility to pay dowry or ilobolo? And main question, is the woman allowed to pay lobolo or dowry for the man? I think firstly, let me just try and help you and the audience understand exactly why we pay a dowry. This is, I think we need to also appreciate that this is an African concept. It is an, a concept that was developed, designed by us Africans, um, uh, to, to demonstrate our appreciation and acknowledgement uh, to the family of the girl child who had raised a wife for you, who would have raised a wife for you. So by paying the dowry, you're saying, thank you very much. And that is why us as women also, we have to pay and we have to do things, that are, um, something that is called an acknowledgement and, 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 and noticing, which we need to do to the family of the husband. And, and that is what is called umembeso. You know, that's when we exchange gifts with those, with those of the husband, with the family of the husband. So in other words, it, it is not necessarily a sign of payment. It is not necessarily a demonstration of who becomes a commodity of who. It is precisely, you know, a, a sign of appreciation. It's a token of appreciation from the husband to this family that would have raised a great woman for them. So effectively, um, women are not allowed to pay dowry or lobola for the man? We don't think women have to pay lobola because you should know one thing. If I'm married to a family of Gamata Angel, you know, the children that I'm going to give back to in that family are the children of Gamata Angel. They'll never even at once be called Abantuana Bagamasego. So those things, all of those things, the husband is saying, I am acknowledging that you are going to, you are going to compromise your surname, compromise your, your, you know, your identity in a way because now you'll have to take up the identity of the husband. You, but however, you still remain unamafego. You know, that's, that's as far as the identity will be concerned. But broader, bigger than that, or broader than that, you would have to assume the name of the husband. Perhaps we'll invite you again to talk about exactly the name change for another conversation. But right now, I'm most interested in the concept of gender equality as we have it in our country today. 2018 seems to be one of the, those years that have a prominence in the focus of gender equality and women empowerment. Is it not possible that perhaps from the African faith um, we could see a form of gender empowerment or gender equality or women empowerment where the woman does what the man can do as women want to? Today, they want to do what the man can do. In the case of matrimony or marriage, where the man pays lobola, women perhaps would also be allowed to pay lobola just so they can be doing the same thing that the man does. Is there any avenue for that in the African faith? I think it's important that as media, you are seen, you know, you are seen to be to be impartial. I mean, uh, you are seen to be to be independent and also ensuring that you, you listen carefully to all views and promote all views the same way. I am saying this because 
it is not the first time that we are, we are getting a concern or a question from media that says everything that is about African is, is about subjugation, it's about domination of women's rights and, and, and the women as a species or as, as a gender and all of that. When in actual fact, I don't think that is, that is what culture says. That is why in African culture, you know, a, a, a woman, well, it, it, it's the only culture that says, when I'm in my period, menstrual period, I, sh- I should be afforded enough time to cleanse myself. And no man should have a, a sexual intercourse with me during that period of cleansing. Because we believe that a woman's womb needs to get time where it rests, it cleanses itself. And there's no any other culture but Africa that gives women that, that particular right. That is one. Number two, it is African culture that is said to men, you can never bring another woman in a house of Lama Sego. Lama Sego's house will always remain a house of Lama Sego. And even if she passes on, the house gets taken over by the family of Mogala Masego, by my children and my family. When they come to visit my children, they'll sleep in the house, they'll be there with my children. They will never, in African culture, a situation where my house has to be taken by another wife. That is why we are saying, when a man gets married, he should be sure that he has built enough houses for each one of the women. So that there is no woman that has to live in another woman's, woman's house. So it's only African culture and it's only African religion that supports that. And for me, that is empowerment. And, and total empowerment of women, total empowerment of my children. And there is no Western Germany Europe that has ever taught us that kind of respect for a woman. Okay, that I think we need to set up very straight. The other thing that is very important when we talk on issues of, of empowerment, it is only African culture that has said your name does not have to totally die. We need to acknowledge the fact that you come from a good Masego family that has raised you. That is why in culture we say she is Masego Masego Matendra. Both these surnames and both these families are acknowledged in our culture. And there's no one from America that ever taught us poverty. Even if you get married, you are not going to be a commodity. You have to be respected with your family. You cannot be, you know, you cannot be consumed and your family being consumed because we need to respect where you come from. It's only in African culture that you can ever get there. And that on its own demonstrates how much African culture respects a woman. It is only in African culture again where a woman is, is where, where someone says a woman is acknowledged, a woman is thanked for being a woman, for, for having raised children, and they are taken through a dowry process. And whether they are Christian or whatever that you might want to call it, when it's convenient, the process, the concept of Ilobolo is endorsed. But when it's when, when it's time to ridicule culture, they tell you culture is non-existent, it's, uh, people should refrain from all styles. 
But then when it's convenient, when they want to marry a child, they first test whether or not a lobolo has been paid. The very same people that come from outside of African religion. So as African religion, we are saying we are not here, we are not ready to bind to anything. And besides, you know, besides, um, you know, the test of time, the history and all of that has demonstrated that regardless of all of the things that they talk about us, we still are a firm institution. All right. And we would like to appreciate all of the people that have continued, including Western religions such as Christianity, that have continued to benefit from African religion. All right. Um, it's good that we have uh, Bishop Maponga, who is representing an Eastern religion, by the way. Christianity is not Western at all. It originates in the Middle East, and uh, he's here to speak on behalf of the Christian faith, perhaps to give some insight also and on the false statement you made there, that it is only in African culture, African religion, that women are given the respect during a time of her period, or dowry for that matter. Perhaps it's because you didn't hear the other faiths representing their views. Perhaps you would have changed your stance there. So I'm going to begin with Bishop Maponga to respond to what God Pepsile is saying. Bishop? Yeah, the, the African culture will be doing injustice if we separate it from the Hebraic culture. And I think this is where you would find issues such as circumcision, uh, marriage, naming of children, and all these things in the, the family level. They are all twined together to create that symbiosis. At a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a family level and at a cultural level. However, when women uh, would think that the 21st century, with all the rights that are coming in and the financial muscle that is now here, they can convert that into, into a marriage pack. I think we are, we are rather going backward. In my own understanding, marriage exactly. rather is, is an insurance policy. It's an insurance policy. Uh, you take our daughter, you go, in case there's a problem there, when your children come back here, there is substance on which they can grow up with. I mean, it's a better way of insuring our money than buying these policies that we have. Over and above, just it being monetarily used and the abuse that some of our African uh, parents are now using, exorbitant monetary, monetary requirements. It has to do with building a relationship more than just collecting money from each other. All right. Molana, would you like to respond to Gog Pepsi? Yes, uh, I was um, waiting for... I'm, I'm, not sure just a minute, Gogo. Just a minute, Gogo. Give an opportunity to respond as well. Just, I want to give the Mulan an okay. opportunity to respond to what you were saying. Mulan, go ahead. Yes, uh, Naya, I think uh, I personally, there was a lot of exaggeration from Gogo's side because uh, I think she didn't do her homework quite well. Uh, oh. Supporting what the priest just said regarding circumcision... It comes from religion before it became culture because Abraham lived long before there was African culture. That's one. Secondly, in the issue of menstruation, in Islam, we are not allowed to touch our women while they are in menstruation. We are not allowed to touch our women after having given birth to a child for a stipulated period until the woman has, has been fully recovered from that or has been pure of the menstruation. And thirdly, uh, in Islam as well, we do not compel women to change their surname because their surnames are actually their lineage name. Just like Eskoseli will say, Isidugo is your lineage name. Correct. You know? So in Islam, we are, not, we are not forced. Even my wife is still going by her, her former, basically by her name that was given to her. That the maiden name. Yes.
She is not forced to be bossman. You understand? But if she chooses to be bossman, it's a different issue. But religiously, there is no compulsion on her on changing her family name. And uh, I, I would like the listeners, uh, you know, uh, as well as the, the people on the platform as well, we should do our homework thoroughly before throwing stones over the fence because uh, they may bounce back at us. Uh, I'm not saying that to disrespect Ugogo, but Ugogo, I'm sure and certain she didn't do her homework properly. Yes, she was right by representing <laughs> the African religion to her understanding, but not to compare with the others and in being critical of the others without having to have full knowledge of them, because it was an exaggerated statement to say only African. Indeed. Only right. African. She emphasized on that. Yes. Okay. Coming back to the topic of the day, yes, um, I hear her clearly, and if you were to look into all those things, just like what Pastor Bishop has elaborated from his side, all these things are interlinked. All are interlinked, which shows that there has to be one root and one source. But it is just that along the way, when we were sifting the flour, some, some pieces of flour came out, and some came up smoothly, you understand? So as such, now we are getting to, con- to be confused to say that, you know what, the one that remains on top of the strainer is not the flower, but the one that went through is the flower. All right. So I want Gogo to respond, and then we'll move on to our final question. Gogo? I think it's somewhat... It's interesting to hear this coming from from Islam to to assume I mean to, to assume that uh, that I did not do my homework. I, I don't know. I don't know by by what measurement, you know, is he saying this because I don't I know for a fact that you not say it under normal circumstances. I mean definitely because I know exactly what I'm talking about. I've never heard even in one minute ever heard someone that says my name I've 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 gone to is institutions of higher learning with a lot of these people, they came back, I mean, I'm talking about Islamic uh, people, people of Islamic faith, the women there, some of them are even my friends, they are not called by their first name. What actually happens is that if a person is married to Naidu, they are just called Naidu. I, as you know, as opposed to with us, with us, I am said, Unamasebo, Unamasebo, Umamusmanibad. The, the, those things, you may find that those things are, are done only in the household and not something that is known publicly like it is in our own African religion. Again, I want to emphasize, Af- it's African religion that empowers a woman fully, that acknowledges the, 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 you know, the, the woman's family because the identity of the woman is highly respected and and protected such that she continues to uphold the name of the father publicly, you know, and everyone knows about it. So that is important. And also in African religion, again, let me mention this, that again, it's African religion that says, when me and my, and my husband-to-be have decided, you know, that we would like to get married, however, we do not have the kind of money to marry us. It is in African religion that you can, do, you can be able to do that in African religion as long as you'll be able to, you, you'll be able to observe some 
you reach a ritual that will make sure that the two of you are united. In the meantime, you are busy trying to organize yourself until to a marriage stage. So I know that to be only in African religion, again, I should say that. And that is called Gutegwa in Siswati. And I don't know of any other religion that, that, that has an arrangement which is very close to Gutegwa. Perhaps, you know? perhaps, and, and that, perhaps things, the... I think it's important that you talk about them and then be clear about them. I understand there is need for all of us to, to educate each other about how, about our way of life. But at the same time, it should not be assumed that everything and anything about African religion is bad. I know that African religion, it, it, it's one of the ancient religions that we have in the world, you know, because it's taken from Egypt and all of those things. But I'm saying, as an African myself, I want to protect all of those teachings, you know, in teachings that came from Egypt, way back. You know, that even though we never wrote down anything on paper at the time, but we had writings, we had writings on stones and everywhere else. The only thing was that we could not translate all of that into paper. Okay. So the but other religions that go go. came late, go which go. is Islamic, which is Islam and all of those religions, they were fortunate to be able to read and write. Gogo, I want, I, want, I want to help you there because, again, you're making a false statement. The truth in what you're saying is that you don't know and that's what Mulana was clarifying here, and you didn't hear that point. And the bishop did clarify exactly what you're saying now, and it does happen in the Christian faith, and he referenced us to the story of Jacob. Again, you're speaking authoritatively on a matter of a lie. It's not true to say it is only African culture or African faith that does that. And that's why I'm going to urge all of you to listen to another. Perhaps you're going to be speaking past each other and you're going to miss these nuggets of information that would have helped you deliver your point more effectively. I want us to speak and conclude perhaps by getting to this point now. When we speak of the 2018 movement of women... But then, then, maybe before you even go there, I think Naya, you need to understand something. I, that is why I was very clear, even from the beginning. I said, African religion is the first religion. I say, I say, I think, I still say this now. That African religion is the oldest and first religion that was able to translate, you know, teachings to everyone else, including, you know, Ilobola. We're the only, we're the only, we're the first religion that did it. A lot of these religions came out after us. And that is very true. No, Gog that is historically inaccurate oh. and factually incorrect. Because as you speak of what had happened in Egypt at the time, already what has been happening in the Middle East had already been dispersing throughout the various parts. By the way, Egypt at the time was called Northwest Africa, Northeast Africa. And it can't be true to say African religion is the oldest religion because at the time, if we're to go back into anthropology, anthropologists in these institutions of higher learning will not that, tell that, you that, that African culture is... Anthropology distorted Africa, by the way, and all its teaching and its good work. But any of the evidentiary materials that you have, you have to offer, uh, Pips, are, are given to you by anthropologists and archaeologists. There is no way of uh, of giving us evidence except for giving us what has been told to you by uh, archaeologists and anthropologists. Yes, I'm, I'm saying to you, I'm not necessarily overhead. Have all of the 
all of the quotes that I may need to give to you and the listeners now. But then I know for the fact that, unfortunately, you know, that is why we, some of us are saying, let us try and re- make sure that we decolonize education because we want to ensure that a lot of the things that were mentioned about us as Africans, you know, are reviewed because we feel that anthropology as well has done a lot of damage on representing who we are as African people and even our religion. Okay. I want us to move on then. Um, I'm going to come back to you, Bishop. Now we're talking about gender equality and, 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 and women empowerment in the year 2018. Is it ever possible? Can we ever say that in the avenue of marriage we will ever have, for example, make an example of Robola, gender equality from the Christian faith? I, I would want to live to see the day when that finally happened. <laughs> um, when, <laughs> when our women... In fact, my own friend, like, but he was Yes. Yeah. I think we're living in an interesting time. It would be very interesting to see the propagators and the drivers of women empowerment, maybe in the midst of them calling for rights. It would be, it would be very interesting to see how they can tackle that issue and throw it at them and say, guys, you want equality? And I cannot speak on their behalf. You want equality? And maybe here's one issue that you need to look in the eye and let's see how equal you can be that from now onwards you marry your men. And with them marrying the men, I think it changes the whole family dynamic from a patriarchal thing, which which we've had new words now in our old age, patriarchy to matriarchy and all those things. And I watch that space with great interest to see how they can respond. But from a Christian perspective, marriage is when the family gives you their daughter in marriage. Now, this time when the family must now rewrite to give you their son. Ah. <laughs> may the Lord, may the Lord, may the Lord let me live long to see that day. <laughs> uh, Mulana, um, from your perspective, from the Islamic perspective, will the day come where perhaps we might discover from the Hadith or from the Quran anywhere, any source that will give rise to women being empowered such that they too can do what men are able to do and it's not possible in Islam because over 1,400 years ago, when Prophet Muhammad was making his final pilgrimage, God Almighty revealed to him in the Quran, "Aliyoma akmam tu lakum dinakum, wa akmam tu alikum niyamati, wa raditu lakum Islam adina." That today I have selected for you your religion, and I have bestowed my favors unto you, and I have chosen Islam for you as a religion. So, if Islam was sealed over 1,400 years ago, nothing will penetrate in. Nothing, uh, nothing will ever change what has been given to him 1,400 years ago. Going back to the last point, um, regarding the very same uh, gender equality thing and uh, women's rights, take, for example, a democratic country like France. Women, Muslim women who are wearing niqab are being put in jail for wearing niqab. But women can walk naked on the beach. They can wear miniskirts, and they say these are liberated women. Now, I don't understand what democracy means. It means, to, for my understanding, democracy is hypocrisy. Because what is good, the good is made to look bad, and the bad is made to look good. All right. So, effectively, what you're saying is, as far as gender equality and the woman doing what the man can do, paying for Lobola, that day will not come from, for, for, from the perspective of Islam. There will never be such a room for that. <laughs> yes, she will be permitted after yeah. having been married. If the husband lets, she can assist voluntarily because as long as she enters that door,
she becomes my responsibility from head to toe. Even if she were to have a high-paying job, it's my responsibility to run the house, not hers. I shouldn't say that, okay, let's put the wages together on the table. Okay, you pay for the car, you pay for the house, because I'm earning less, I'll buy groceries. No, paying for the house, but paying for the car, buying groceries, taking children to school, it is my responsibility as a husband. Out of her good nature, it is not a sin for her. Out of her good nature, seeing the situation of her husband, then she assists, then yes, but not by compulsion from the husband. Gog Pepsila, from the African faith perspective, is it ever possible that perhaps women can be empowered um, and given the right to do what men can do and be the ones to pay for Lobola? Uh, <clears throat> I think I think from from the beginning there, when I was speaking about the concept of Lobola, I think uh, I was clear to say it is it it should be done from the husband's side, acknowledging the work that. The, the the side of the woman would have done in terms of uh, growing the the, the woman and I all understood the, the first part you said, Gog Pepsil. What I'm asking you now is looking forward, seeing that we have a movement in South Africa and all around, around the world which seeks to empower women to give them the ability to do what men are able to do. That's why I'm asking you now, projecting forward, is there ever going to be room for women to be empowered such that that they can do what the men are doing and pay for the lobola? Let me just let me just start by saying, you know, there are there are quite a number of um, if if we are to, to talk about um, religion, religion. I think like every one of us here knows that uh, religion has patriarchal elements to it. You know, and among others is that you know it's some of these things are even pursued by social constructs. You know, because this is how we perceive a woman to be, and therefore. You know, these are some of the things. However, you know, it's also important that when you when you tell yourself, I am going to be married to to a certain family, you need to understand that within that family, there are set rules. Within that family, you know, it, the family comes from an institution. And an institution has its own way of life and its own way of doing things. So we need to understand that if it has to be empowerment, Empowerment has to be done within, you know, the understandings of that particular institution. However, if there are elements that are not developmental, it is very, very important that all our religions understand the importance, you know, of, 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 of incorporating, you know, development into, in, 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 into, in, in, into, you know, into families, into, into the institution of marriage. However, we cannot necessarily say, you know, we we are not we are not interested in in empowering women because, like I said before, African religion is one religion that has definitely worked towards the empowerment of women. That is, if you understand African religion for what for what it is. But then, if you want to distort African religion, then unfortunately, I, I cannot speak about distortions. But if there is anything that we have done, it was to empower. That is why, even with when you are married to a husband, you know you are told when you come to this house, these fields are fields that belongs to Lama Sego. You know, for me, there is empowerment. You are given your own seeds. You are also assisted. You know, to plow with all the with all the cows, the plows and all of that, the husband has to provide you with all of those things. And also, there is a certain cow which is just given to the mother of the child, which demonstrates 
you know, which, which, which the man, the husband is told, well, no matter what the situation, you are not allowed to touch this cow. This cow is a cow that is sacred. It only belongs to the mother of the wife. So for me, those things, are, those are set rules, you know, by our own African religion to ensure that they protect the female in, in, in the relationship. Uh, well, granted, um, we can... However, there's no work to be done. All right. I want us to, 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 to be very blunt and very direct um, uh, to all of you, Gog Masek or, or Mulan Bosman and, oh. and, and Bishop Mapong. I want us to be very blunt and clear. When we listen to the movement, the women's movement and the women's lobby in South Africa and the world over that seeks to do what men can do, how, what is what is faith's response there? Because uh, Lobola is just one of the examples of of things that are exclusively masculine and mis- exclusively patriarchal. Uh, but we don't see much that can be done. If I'm listening to all three of you correctly, there's not much that can be done to alter that status quo and elevate it to the level of what we're talking about now: gender equality. Can I ask you to be blunt? In this regard, will there ever be gender equality where the woman can do what the man can do? In this regard, will there ever be gender equality? Let me, let me shoot first. Yes, say equality does not mean sameness. The, the, the fact that we are equal does not mean a woman one morning will wake up with more muscle uh, like a man. Correct. They're doing the same tasks that we're doing, doing the athletics that we do, playing soccer together now. There's no more... Toilet, we can share the same toilet, and etc. From a biblical perspective, uh, I would want to say this whole issue of patriarchy, which offends many people, where it is God, and it is a man, then it is a woman, and the church being the woman, God being the husband, to, to invent that whole thing and make women uh, and the church uh, pay lobola for God, then it sounds like an abomination, totally. <laughs> Indeed. everything out of context. So from a Christian perspective, maybe let me pack there and say, it, it, uh, that whole equality thing is a dream manufactured in Beijing, recycled in the United Nations, forced down on Africa. We will not see it happen in the near future, sir. Impossible. In, in Nigeria, they say impossible. All right. Mulana? Yes. Um, as far as we as Muslims are concerned, uh, I'm speaking like this because I know I'm one of the scholars of Islam. Uh, the law will never change. Uh, those women's uh, organizations that are standing up for the rights of women, uh, we, do not, we do not oppose them. They can stand for the rights of women, but they should understand one thing, that the women should be kept where the women were meant to be, not where, the, where, they, not where they want the women to be. Because God Almighty created us differently for a certain purpose, and as such we should act according to the way or the manner in which we were created. And irrespective of the times that we are living in, it doesn't change the fact that we were still made by the same God. Not that God didn't know that we would reach this time where people will be against the nature on which God has made us. So as far as Islam is concerned, I wish them good luck, but uh, <laughs> they have no chance of getting that into Islam. All right. God, Pepsile. Uh, uh, thank you very much, Naya. But there's one thing that I want to say. You know, I think much as I'm a woman myself, I'm a gender activist myself, and also I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cultural person. And I know that that is possible for, for you to be, to be all of us. 
you know. And the one thing that I'd like people to know, particularly gender activists, feminists, and all of those to know, is that, you know, there is nothing as important in life as understanding and protecting your identity. And for me, I, I, you know, I would not do anything. I would not trade anything for my own identity. And for me, identity, I'm talking about, you know, who I am, where I come from, and I'm able, with all the knowledge and understanding, and also being capacitated by my cultural understanding to know when I'm abused by a man, when I'm abused by a colleague at the workplace, when there's abuse in a community, I'm able to pick that up and able to stand against, against all of that. But in situations where I have to understand that uh, my culture and the culture that I endorse, because it depends whether or not, or not you endorse African culture, the culture that I endorse, if it says, if that culture that I endorse says, uh, well, some dowry has to be paid for me in acknowledgement, and I agree to that, you know, without being pressurized by anyone. There is no one that comes from anywhere, no matter how, how they claim to be progressive, to, to try and pin them down in me, to try and force me to understand what they mean by, by gender activism, by all of that. Because there is nothing wrong with you being empowered and yet continue hold on to your identity. Our identity should not be thrown away and traded for anything. But if there are elements of abuse, of course, keep, you, keep those up. Of course, challenge those. Whether you're African or not, it's important that you stand against abuse. But I will never, at some point, say I'm being abused just because I'm, I'm, I've married some man and the man has paid down. In fact, it's an insult to yourself who does not know African religion. All right. We're going to leave it right there on that very note. Gog Pepsila Maseko is the National Coordinator for Traditional Healers Organization. Thank you very much to you, Gogo. We appreciate your time. Also, you heard the voice of Bishop Joshua Maponga, who's a cultural activist, a writer, a fighter of spiritual colonialism, and an author of Women in the Kitchen. And also, thank you very much to you, Bishop. We really appreciate your insights. Mulana Yusuf Bam, Bosman, rather, was there talking to us about the very same issue from the perspective of Muslims. And we really appreciate it. He's a Muslim theologian, Mulana. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us as well. From me, Nayarupanana and the team, have a wonderful evening and Godspeed.